Good morning and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Hope you have a blessed and joyful day. Uh, there's a story that's told about four businessmen and they went, they were on their way to a conference and as they were going to this conference, they were in a rush and they're trying to catch their train and they're going through a market area and as they were going through this market area, there was a, uh, a young girl that had a table that she was selling apples from and as they passed by this market area, they toppled over the whole table with the apples and everything went flying, but they were late for their their train, so they couldn't bother to stop. So three out of the four kept going, but one decided, let me go back and help this girl with her table and apples that were all spread out. And so he went there and he started to help her to put all those things back and he realized that she was blind and all of her apples and her table had spilled all over. And as he was helping her and putting all those things back, she asked him, sir, are you Jesus? And I think that's what God is expecting from us as well, that we would be a reflection of Christ to others. Father, as we look into your word today, we pray that you'd help us to see the beauty of your word and form Christ's character in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we left off um, that whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord and Christ should be magnified in our lives. I was appreciative of what Derek was saying, how we all have a, have a mission, we all have a goal, and that Christ needs to be magnified in us to those within our circle of influence. And so we ended off last week at, in chapter 1 and verse 26, and in chapter 1 and verse 27, it talks about living a life worthy of the gospel in the midst of suffering. So in the midst of pain and in the midst of difficulties, are we living a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of what Christ uh, calls us to do? In Philippians 1 and verse 27, it says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So here's the question, here's the challenge, and here's the test. Not if we are better than others, but if we are living in a way that conforms to the gospel of Christ, are we living in a way that Jesus would have lived? Are we doing things like Jesus would have done? Right? This is the criticism maybe of, of people within the church from people that are outside of the church. They might say, oh, I don't want to go to church. All those people, they're a bunch of? Oh, you've heard it as well, right? So we strive by the grace of God to live Christ-like lives. Verse 29 says, For it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ to do what? Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer. To suffer for him. Don't worry, don't worry. we talked about that last week, so I'm going to let you off the hook today, right? A little bit. Right? So now our sufferings, you know, it might not be the same as maybe what other people are going through. Uh, in other parts of the world, but we all go through various sufferings and difficulties, persecutions, trials in our lives are all unique and different to us. But James says, now I didn't give you this verse last week, but I'll give it to you today. Consider it what? Pure joy. When God blesses you and provides for you and does so many good things for you. Right? No. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But now as we get into chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul gives some conditional statements. 
and then he gives some conclusions as well. Now, I've tied them together. You don't have to. Um, you can read them individually and separately. It's written individually and separately. But I saw that there was some sort of, I felt like there was some sort of connection that was there. So Philippians chapter 2 and verse, verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, that's number one. Number two, if any comfort from his love. Number three, if any common sharing in the spirit. And number four, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. And then he goes on to conclude that. And we'll look at that in a moment. But for Paul, it was a joyful experience to see the church walking in a Christ-like way. It was a joyful experience for him to see them walking worthy of the gospel. How do parents feel when, uh, when your kids do something that's really nice? When you hear a good report about your son or daughter? Maybe your child went above and beyond the call of duty in something. Uh, maybe they were kind or maybe they did something extraordinary. What happens? The parents feel proud of their children, but the parents also feel joyful. A sense of happiness fills their heart that their child has done the right thing. Proverbs says, a father of a, of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. I think if you were to ask the fathers today, what would be the best Father's Day gift? What would they say? I think they might say something effective. Well, I just want my child to do the right thing. I want my child to walk with the Lord. I want them to live worthy of the gospel. I want them to love God. That would be an amazing Father's Day gift. Can I get an amen maybe from a father or two? Yeah? Right? In 3 John, verse 4 says, I, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This was John's joy. He wanted to see the people of God walking in the truth, walking worthy of the gospel, worthy of that calling. And this was Paul's joy as well, too. In Thessalonians, he says, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So Paul, this was Paul's joy, this was Paul's rejoicing when he saw the church going forward, when he saw the church walking worthy of their calling, when he saw the church living a life conforming to the gospel, when he saw the church changing and transforming into the very image and likeness and character of Christ, that's what got Paul joyful. That's what got Paul excited. And in a similar way, when we walk worthy of that calling, when we do what's right in the sight of the Lord, when we reflect the nature of Christ, that also brings joy to our lives. In Psalm 19, it says, the precepts of the Lord are right. What do they do? Giving joy to the heart. The precepts of the Lord, the law of the Lord, the commandments of God, the ways of God, they are right, they're correct. And when we walk in that way, it brings joy to the heart. So as we obey the word of God and do what's pleasing in his sight, joy overflows in our heart. Christ's likeness produces joy. And that's why the title of the message today is Joy in Christ's Likeness. Right? So a couple of things. Number one, if you have any, so in verse chapter 2 verse 1 says, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, then in verse 2, I feel like he sort of concludes that by saying, then be 
like-minded. Now, this like-mindedness can mean so many different things, but uh, I want to highlight just one thing in light of the context of this passage and how Paul is talking in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 about suffering and also about just selflessness and sacrificial, uh, sacrificial living, which he'll talk about in the rest of chapter 2 and we'll look at as well this morning. But in 1 Peter 3 verse 8, it says, finally, all of you be like-minded. So have this kind of mind, have this mind that Christ had to be sympathetic to love one another, to be compassionate and humble. And now how is this lived out? He says here, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now this is Christ-likeness. Now this is something that's very radical in the ways of the world. This is something that just goes over and beyond just loving other people. Now this is returning a blessing for those that do evil to you. For when people do harm to you, to return a blessing upon them. This is Christ-likeness. This is what Paul was talking about when he says, fulfill my joy, complete my joy. When I see you walking in the truth, when I see you walking in Christ-likeness, when I see you walking worthy of the calling that God has called you with, I want to see that you are blessing those who curse you. I want to see that you are returning good for the evil that comes to you. You know, there's a famous book, Les Miserables. I'm sure you know Victor Hugo's, one of his great works. And in the beginning of this, of this, uh, this story, Jean Valjean, he, uh, he was thrown into prison for 19 years for stealing a, a loaf of bread. And when he came out, he couldn't find a job because he was an ex-convict. But he came in contact with a bishop, a very kind and generous and gentle bishop. And he stayed the night. And when, after staying the night, he stole some things from the bishop. And the next day, he was caught. And the police brought him back to the bishop and said, hey, we found this guy with some of your things. And what did the bishop say? I gave it to him. And he showed kindness to that man. And he looked at him and he said, take, what this, take these things and use that and be an honest man. And that radically transformed his life, if you know the rest of the story. And it changed him, that act of kindness, that act of doing good when he did evil. And so the encouragement here for us to understand is that if they did it to Jesus, they will do it to us as well. If they persecuted Jesus, we'll also be persecuted. If they did evil to Jesus, evil will come to us as well. But respond the way Christ responded. And that's Christ-likeness. And that's joyfulness. And that's what Paul was talking about. Fulfill my joy. Let me see you walking in the ways of God. There was a pastor in, in Uganda many years ago, Kefa Sempanga. I believe that's how you pronounce it, but I'm probably wrong. Um, on an Easter Sunday, he was, he was pastoring a large church in Uganda, and on an Easter Sunday, he had a, a beautiful service, and after the service, he went back into his room to change, and some uh, government secret police came into his, into his office area, and they were holding uh, guns against him, and they were ready there to kill him, and they told him, uh, we're going to kill you. If you have something to say, say it before you die. And he was so nervous and he was so scared and he didn't know what to do. And he, he felt like uh, he felt everything becoming very, uh, very cold. And he said his mouth was heavy and his limbs began to shake and he, he couldn't control himself. He thought that he wasn't going to die from them shooting him. They, he thought he was just going to fall over dead because of being so, so nervous. And, um, he started to speak and he didn't realize even what he was saying, but he just started to speak and he said, I do not need to plead my cause. I am a dead man already. My life is dead and hidden in Christ. It is your lives that are in danger. You are dead in your sins. 
I will pray to God that after you have killed me, he will spare you from eternal destruction. So they were trying to do evil to him. And he turned it around and said, I'm going to pray for you. That God will spare you. That God will bless you. That God will save you from the evil that you're actually doing. And they just looked at him and the guy in charge put his gun down and he told the other guys, put your guns down as well. And his only response was, will you pray for us now? And the whole situation was turned around. Number two, here Paul says, if there's any comfort from his love, then have the same kind of love. John 15 verses 9 to 12, these beautiful verses say, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Today on on Father's Day, it's good to remember the Father's love. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that what? My joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is Christ-likeness. This is walking worthy of the gospel. This is what Paul says, make my joy complete when I see you walking in the love of God. When I see you reflecting that love, let your joy be complete. Let your joy be full and overflowing when the love of God is filling our hearts and we're reflecting that to other people. You know, Billy Graham passed away recently and he took that love of God and shared it all over the world in so many crusades and so many opportunities that he had to preach the gospel. But one thing that he did was, that was really tangible was in the, in the 1950s in, in the United States, there was a, at that time there was racial segregation. And in one of his crusades, he went down in the 1950s, he went down and he removed the ropes himself and he said, we're not going to have any type of segregation. We are one in Christ. Let everyone sit together. And he showed the love of Christ in a very tangible way. And he overcame those barriers. Uh, a missionary, I think I've told you about before, John Patton. He was a missionary to, to Vanuatu. And um, as he was there, and, and that island was full of cannibals, and he brought the love of Christ, and that, the love of Christ that radically transformed and changed them, the love of Christ that, that, that took these uh, people-eating people and converted them to people-loving people. And he said... At the moment, uh, this was when he was serving communion to them, he said, at the moment I put the bread and wine into those dark hands, once stained with the blood of cannibalism, now stretched out to receive and partake the emblems and seals of the Redeemer's love, I had a foretaste of the joy of glory that will nigh broke my heart to pieces. I shall never taste of deeper bliss till I gaze on the glorified face of Jesus himself. See, he felt that joy as he saw the love of God in these people's lives. The love of God that he shared with them that radically transformed them. Dear people of God, dear friends, can the love of Christ change us? Yes. Maybe today you've never experienced that love. Maybe today you've not known the love of Jesus. I want to I wanna invite you, even after the service, to come, to come forward. There'll be people here to pray with you. And to experience that love of God. To experience what Jesus offers to us that radically transforms us. That radically changes our lives. That fills us with joy and peace and gratitude towards God. Hudson Taylor said, I'm going to talk a little bit about missionaries because Derek and Bonnie are here with us. 
And you know, I like to talk about missionaries. But Hudson Taylor said, it will not do, it will not do to say that you have no special call to go to China. With these facts before you and with the command of Jesus to go and preach the gospel to every creature, you need rather to ascertain whether you have a special call to stay at home. So what he's saying is that you don't need to figure out if you have a call to go somewhere else. You've got to figure out if you're called to stay here first. Because we have to share the love of Christ all throughout. Now again, there is a special calling, you know, to, to go out and, and maybe be a missionary and go out to other nations. But even as Derek was mentioning, in whatever circle of influence we're in, let's share the gospel. In whatever area we find ourselves, let's be people on a mission to magnify the name of Christ. To lift up the name of Jesus. Let Jesus be magnified in our lives and let people come to know the love of Jesus through us. Number three, he says, if any, com- if any common sharing in the spirit, then be one, mi- one in spirit and of one mind. Now, Paul is taking us back to what he said in the previous chapter in verses 27 and 28. He says, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. He's saying here, stand firm in one spirit. He said, if there's any common sharing in the spirit, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples there in Acts chapter two, they were empowered to take the gospel. The Lord said, wait there in Jerusalem until I fill you with power from on high. And then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and throughout all the parts of the world to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit fills us and gives us grace and understanding. And in one spirit and in one mind, we go forth and we share the gospel. Years ago in 1806, there was a very significant prayer meeting that took place in Massachusetts. And it's called, it was called the Haystack Prayer Meeting. And it was a group of five men who were trying to escape the rain and they hid in a haystack. And they prayed The guy that was leading them, his name was Samuel Mills. Yeah, my last name. Samuel Mills, he was leading them in prayer. And they prayed and they asked the Lord to send forth missionaries out to Asia. And this is considered the seminal event in American foreign missions. Because this led to the establishment of the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. It led to the American Bible Society. It led to the United Foreign Mission Society. And to hundreds of people going out and sharing the gospel because they were of one mind and of one spirit, empowered by the Spirit of the Lord to go forth and preach the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell others about the love of God so that many would come into the kingdom of God. And that's what God calls us to do as well, to walk worthy of the gospel, to reflect the love of Christ, to reflect the nature of Christ, to have Christ-likeness in us. And as we do that, dear people of God, dear friends, joy fills our lives. And that is living joyfully. Living joyfully. They shared together in spirit. They were the same mind. It was an act of selflessness for the furtherance of the gospel. They gave up so many comforts that they could have. Derek and Bonnie, they're giving up some comforts that they could have here in Canada. And opportunities that they could have here even with their kids. Why? For the furtherance of the gospel. So that Christ's name would be magnified amongst the nations. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6 says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, but with what? 
with joy given by the Holy Spirit. He not only empowers us and keeps us of the same mind, but he fills us with joy. It wasn't easy. It wasn't a walk in the park, right? It's not going to be easy for what we do for the Lord, but as we have that mind, as we have that attitude, as we have that goal empowered by the Holy Spirit, then there's joy. Another missionary, Samuel Zwemer, he said, now don't be surprised by this, okay? It might, this might be a little shocking. He said, I feel now, this was some years ago, I feel now that Arabia could easily be evangelized within the next 30 years if it were not for the wicked selfishness of Christians. It's a little bit hard, right? I feel like all of Arabia could be evangelized, but the only thing that's, the only thing that's hindering that is the wicked selfishness of Christians. I don't know, that... that pricks me a bit. What are we doing? Are we walking worthy of the gospel? Again, we might not all be called to go to those places, but within our circle of influence here, or maybe there's ways that we can support other people outside as well. We can pray, as, as Derek and Bonnie have given us prayer requests, to pray for them, to support them, to uphold them in prayer. But let's be involved. Let's walk worthy of the gospel. Let Christ be magnified in our, in our lives. Let Christ's likeness be formed in us. Number four, if any tenderness and compassion, then do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. How do we treat other people? Do good so that others will praise us or speak well of us? Have compassion on others without selfish ambition or vain conceit. When Christ was here on the earth, I'm just going to go very quickly just to finish some of this. And when Christ was here on the earth, we see certain things that he did. It says here in Matthew, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw them helpless and he had compassion on them. He says when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Mark, it says, I have compassion on these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Are there people we can have compassion on? Those that are in need, the poor and the needy. Maybe they don't have enough to eat or clothes to wear or or they need some support and help. Can we be Christ to them? Can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? Luke 15 talks about the story of the prodigal son, which I think is very poignant for for today as being Father's Day. But when the son came to his senses and decided, I'm going to go back to my father, it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. This is the heart of the father. This is the character of Christ. This is what Christ wants us to have as well. Our heavenly father is waiting to have compassion on us. I, I, I was sent a story this morning, and I was reading it, and it was interesting. Um, this, this lady that I know, she uh, was uh, reminiscing about how, how her father passed away so many years ago, and she was re- remembering how she lived at home until her mid-20s or so before she got married, and she never paid for anything when she was at home, but then when she left home and got married, then she had to pay all these bills and, and rent and all of these things. And then she's thinking to herself, wow, I didn't have to do all these things. And she went back to her dad and said, dad, you were so gracious to me that you never charged me rent. You never charged me for any of these things. And why didn't you do that when I was working and you know, I was, I, I was living with you? And his only response was, I wish I could have done more. And she realized that was the heart of the father. That was the heart of the father. And so years later, she was, uh, on Father's Day, she thought, I'm going to do something nice for my husband, and I'm going to buy something from Starbucks. 
and so, uh, to, to drink. And so she went to Starbucks and she was ready to buy something. She's trying to figure out what would my husband like to drink. I'm going to get the best drink there. And the lady at the counter, you know what she said? She said, our machines are all, our, our cash machines are all down. So uh, we're just telling our customers whatever they want, they can get any size. And she thought, okay, so I'm going to get the biggest size of this for me and the biggest size of this for my husband. I'm going to get some lemonade for my boys. And she got all of these things. And she realized maybe this is an expression of the Heavenly Father's love and compassion, his kindness and goodness that he showers upon us. See, Paul ends chapter 2 by talking about two people. Timothy was one of them, and he said Timothy was like-minded. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't um, care for his own needs, but he cared for the needs of others. And he also talked about Epaphroditus, who, who also for the very work of Christ was nigh unto death. And God calls us to be of the same mind of Christ. This is Christ's likeness. Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is what God is calling us to do. And then after this, from verses 6 to 11, is probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible, and it's called the Christ hymn. Um, it's also known as the kenosis because kenosis is the Greek word for emptying of self, how Christ emptied himself. And so verses 6 to 11 is this, is this Christ hymn, how Christ embodied humility, how Christ exemplified obedience, and how Christ glorified the Father. And he's calling us to do the same. He's calling us to embody humility He was of the very nature of God. He didn't consider equality with God as something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And he exemplified obedience in verse 8. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And then he glorified the Father in verses 9 to 11. It talks about how God exalted him and gave him a name which is above every other name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All to what accomplishment? All to the glory of God the Father. Worship team can come up. And today on Father's Day, we can reflect on God the Father And ask what Jesus did for us. It was painful. It was hard. But do you know one thing? As we read here in this Christ hymn, Christ became man. Christ humbled himself. Christ became obedient. You know, he did it all joyfully. He did it all joyfully. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went through it joyfully. This is a summary. This verse is a summary of the Christ hymn in Philippians that we just read. And then it's, exa- it's an example for us to follow, to take up our cross and follow Jesus joyfully. Now, there's a couple of ways to interpret this joy. Some people think it could be the joy of redemption of mankind, that Jesus was joyful knowing that there would be a bride ready for him, that us, we would be the people of God. 
But there's another aspect of joy I think that's here as well, and especially on Father's Day, it's good for us to reflect on the fact that I think Jesus was joyful that he was going to be reunited with his father. Regardless of whatever he was facing or going through at the time, he knew that he would be reunited with his father. And I think today on Father's Day, we can remember that regardless of whatever trial we might be going through, whatever difficulty we might be facing, there's one day coming that we are going to be with our father. There's one day coming that we are going to be with Jesus, where sorrow and pain and sickness are no more, where sadness is all gone. There's going to be a day just as Jesus hung on the cross and died on the cross and he went through it joyfully knowing that he was going to go back to his father. There's a day coming when we are going to be united with God. There's a day coming when we're going to see the face of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. There's coming a day when we're going to be with God, our heavenly father. I don't know what situation you are here today. Maybe you've lost your earthly father. Maybe you've gone through some difficult things, things with your father. Maybe God has given you an amazing, loving father here. But one thing we need to remember is that our heavenly father loves us exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can ask or think. And his love is expressed to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. And he calls us today to follow in those steps. He calls us today to take up our cross and follow Jesus joyfully. He calls us today to be the reflection of Christ in this world. He calls us to be the light in the midst of darkness. He calls us to be the city set on a hill. He calls us to magnify the name of Jesus that others may come to know who Jesus is, to know the love of Christ. He calls us to forgive others. He calls us to do good when people do evil to us. He calls us to forgive. He calls us to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to lay down our lives. That's Christ-likeness. That's what he calls us to today. And it's the Christ hymn that Christ died. He took upon the form of a servant and left an example for us. And with that, we can rejoice with exceeding joy because one day we will see Jesus.